0: Welcome to Forecast. Now here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome to the Farcast. This is Michael Farr, Michael Keough I am back from Ireland, two weeks in Ireland. What a lovely trip I took with my friend Joe Jacks, with Bill Farmer and Lucas Farmer. We went over, we played a lot of the Lynx courses. You know, uh, we, played, uh, we played at the Old Head as well. Won a little bit of a tournament there at the Old Head. It was a lovely, lovely trip. And uh, I will go ahead and confess to you that I did have probably more than one pint or so of Guinness in the evenings, and I've got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Guinness just tastes completely different when you're in Ireland. Uh, not to mention the lovely people who are there to chat with you while you're while you're drinking it. Uh, it's it was a uh, terrific trip. Two weeks in Ireland. You know, it was very interesting in Ireland. Um, And and of course, welcome again to the Farcast. We're really glad you're with us. Uh, The Irish wanted to say, okay, uh, in in all of the pubs, and and everybody's very friendly if you haven't been and want to talk to Americans and want to find out about your Irish roots, of which I have uh, plenty. Uh, And uh, they want to talk about President Trump. So what do you think of this guy, was uh, the beginning of most conversations. And I said, well, you know, he's a very uh, unique individual. Uh, uh, He's got uh, a lot of energy, a lot of character, and he's certainly gotten a lot done. What do you think of him? Ah, you know, we've all got him. What are you going to (laughs) do? was a lot of the response from the (laughs) Irish, which is so perfectly Irish. And then they wanted, of course, to talk about the Catholic Church. And Ireland has a huge Catholic population, 4.7 million uh, uh, Irish a a landmass about the fifth the size of the state of Texas. Uh, But um, when uh, Pope John Paul II was there, they had over a million people show up in Dublin. If you think about, uh, you know, that would be about, what, uh, uh, 60 million or so in the U.S.? (laughs) Something like that would show up. Uh, So uh, uh, a fourth of their population showed up uh, for... uh, 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 for the uh, for the Pope, JP two, they're very concerned. They don't think that uh, even a half a percent, uh, a half a million, are going to show up for the Pope this time. Um, and there's a feeling of real dejection and loss, and, and, and a lot of folks turning away from the Catholic Church. So those are my two insights. Uh, bringing back. Uh, uh, you'd hear a lot of the same conversations, pro and con, about President Trump in Ireland. Uh, but there was a real sadness about the Catholic Church. So, uh, and lots were talking about it. It is the largest, uh, Catholic population, uh, in Europe, in Ireland. So, uh, big topics there. Well, lots to talk about this week. But remember, here on the Farcast, we believe that money is hard to make. That old-fashioned hard work, diligence, discipline, dogged research, uh, will really make the difference uh, in your investing future, that there are no shortcuts, that you have to do the work, and you have to remain dispassionate. Remember also that uh, emotion is the foe of the long-term investor. If you're feeling ebullient or if you're feeling fearful, watch out. S&P 500 made new highs today. The yield curve is getting flatter. There is a Fed uh, meeting or Fed release on notes here Wednesday. I'll be on CNBC tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock to discuss uh, those Fed minutes that are being released. We have a Fed meeting coming up in September. Uh, The Fed is expected to raise rates again. The yield curve is very, very flat, 23 basis points, 24 basis, 23.5 basis points spread between 2s and 10s a two-year and 10-year, and really 16 basis points, 0.16 to 1 percent difference between the yield on a 10-year Treasury and a 30-year Treasury. T- uh, 30-year Treasury is right at 3% right now. So uh, all of these are kind of big signs for folks who watch the markets. But when you really need to know what's going on in stocks, there's only one guy you need to talk to, and that's my great friend, Kenny Polcari. Kenny Polkari, of course, uh, is uh, from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, works for William O'Neill and Company, managing director. He directs floor operations boston university school of management he's been on the floor since god was in short pants he's handsome he's dashing uh he's very articulate and he's much older than i am hey welcome back to the forecast kenny
1: (laughs) michael what a pleasure to be back on your forecast and what a great vacation it sounds like you had
0: oh god it was wonderful i was thinking about you because you know you just got back from your big vacation over in europe too you were in italy right
1: No, it was in Greece. We did. We did. Oh, it's the same thing, Kenny. Really,
0: it's Greece, Italy. It's the same. You know, you're on the other side Uh, of a little bit of water. It's, it's. (laughs) You know, uh, the cheese tastes different, but they still got good wine,
1: right? Uh, Excellent. Everything was. It was really such a spectacular trip.
0: You know, so they're uh, they're beginning to uh, to to normalize uh, their their economic dealings. Did you get a sense of that when you were in Greece, Kenny? Uh, I
1: have to tell you something. Uh, it was really incredible. I expected one thing, uh, and I was pleasantly surprised. Athens was hustle and bustle, people everywhere, commerce going on. You know, certainly lots of tourism. Nobody just sitting around, uh, you know, doing nothing. There were no no uh, protests, no nothing around the, uh, the the main building in the square. And uh, you go to any of those islands, certainly they're all they're all driven by tourism, and so the tourism was just through the roof. No matter which island we went to, people spending money like crazy. Businesses looked to me like businesses were very robust. And so I was actually very pleasantly surprised.
0: You didn't see a lot of austerity, huh?
1: No. It didn't sound like you saw any. And and you would have seen that, I think, of any place more in Athens than you would have on the islands, because the islands certainly is all about tourism, right? But in Athens, I saw it was a very, very busy uh, city that, that was by no means looked austere to me. You know, there was plenty going on. Uh, so I was, like I said, I was it was very, very uh, interesting for me to go there and see that.
0: That's awesome. Kenny, we had the S&P 500 make a new high. So listen, you listen to the forecast. You get to hear what's going on around the world from Ireland to Greece, across, <laughs> a- across the NATO countries, Western Europe. Uh, we're here to help. At the end of the month, uh, actually the end of September, I'm going to be traveling to India. I'll be going to Dubai. Uh, I've got stops in London. I've got more traveling coming up and more to report back to the great forecast audience. So, Kenny, new high today on the
1: S&P 500. Good thing. So there was a new intraday high. It closed really below the, the, the high, but it did make a very slight intraday high. I think it's you know it's a good thing in a couple of ways. Number one, um, the market seems to be discounting all the noise, right? The noise being trade tariff talk, whether it's Turkey, emerging markets. Now that stuff is important for sure, but the market's kind of tired, certainly tiring of the China-U.S. trade talks. It's absolutely tired of that. Um, the Turkey thing and the emerging market thing, you know, appears to you'll run in waves, right? It'll, it'll quiet down for a couple of days. It'll give op- uh, investors an opportunity to focus on uh, really the fundamentals and the macro data here in the United States and what it really means to these companies. And look, we, we tested the highs, we, new highs in the transports, new highs on the S&P, the Russell mid-cap, small-cap performing well. So it's all very, very good. doesn't necessarily mean, you know, hold your hats because we're going higher from here. I think just as I said in my note this morning, I thought we were going to, test it and fail a little bit today, which is exactly what we did. We tested it. We tried to stay there for a little bit, and then we backed off as the market came into a close. And futures, as I noticed, are already down a little bit uh, as of, you know, 530 tonight. They were down three or four points as I was – as I was leaving. Yeah, before. I saw the
0: S and P 500 ETFs tr- go negative, basically on the uh, yeah. uh, as those uh, um, right as the Manafort uh, uh, press conference was starting and the Cohen news right. came out. And on the those Cohen endowment. news
1: came out that, that just yeah. took a little bit of the air up. Neither of those, by the way, Manafort nor Cohen is going to be uh, you know a driver in terms of long-term prices. Just FYI, that's just more noise. But in a, at a time of the year in August when it's relatively quiet, volume light, a lot of people are away. Items like that can cause uh, overreactions in the market. Either way,
0: because volume's a little bit light, is what you're saying.
1: And, uh, volume's light. Liquidity is not. You know, it's not as liquid. The markets are not as liquid when people are away. They're just not. They're not trading. They've got they're on orders on the books, and so therefore, um, you know, you'll get and you'll get it either way. It could be on the downside. Could be the upside. But I think a lot of what happened today, and I thought this was going to happen last week. I said it in one of my notes. Early part of the week last week when we first broke 2850, I thought for sure it was going to test the highs by last Friday. But then we got hit with that turkey news and the emerging market, the currency crisis, and that caused the market to back off. And yep, what we yep. did right across the board, we tested all, all uh, 50-day supports on, on every index, on the S&P, on the NASDAQ, and on the, on the, uh, on the Dow. They all held. And once the market realized that they were holding there at the 50-day, then it gave the market kind of reason to lurch forward again, and and it did it. Today, we did it.
0: So what are you thinking now? Because I've read your notes, and you've been spot on. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just got to listen to Kenny Polcari's notes, and and you can subscribe to him. He sends (laughs) them out there free. You get a great recipe at the end. Kenny's a fabulous cook, and he's— he actually does uh, an on-the-air, uh, on-the-web videocast where he teaches you how to make these recipes. He's just fun to watch. And the only thing, every time I watch those, I, I, I really regret that you can't, like, have the smell-o-vision thing going on. because, yeah. Because, you know, you see, you see all of the... The, 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 the beef browning and the onions that are glazing and the deglazing of the pans. And I think, oh, my God, why am I not sitting there with you, you know, killing that bottle of uh, of Cabernet? Because it just looks like a good time. So you should do that, ladies and gentlemen. How do we get your daily letter, Kenny?
1: So you just go to my website, which is com and there's a big subscription tab right in the front page. Just put Put your email address kennypokari.com
0: kennypokari.com Fill out your email and you're going to get it. Kenny, you know, you're talking, when I asked you about the S&P 500 making, you know, a new high today, and uh, you said, yeah, and then it pulled back. I mean, you, you, you kind of gave me a, kind of a kissing your sister sort of a response to, to the uh, uh, r- real magnitude of the S&P making a new high.
1: You don't sound like you're really moved by it. No, well, honestly, I'm not really moved by it because it didn't come with a lot of volume. It didn't come with a lot of commitment. And the fact that we tested it, we tested it, and we failed and we fell back just says to me it's just not really ready yet to surge up and through. I think what we're going to do is we're going to turn a little bit here. We're going to test a little bit lower once again, probably twenty, just down to the 2850, uh, 2850, 2840. 'll churn in there a little bit more, but I think you're going to want to see the market tested again after Labor Day when people are back at their desk when investors and asset managers are back at their desk and they can and they can really put some money to work I think that if you see it challenge it then on increased volume that's going to be the sign that you know there's further gains ahead
0: and what do I you know I keep talking about this yield curve that keeps getting flatter, and people I know are snoozing off, but I mean uh, it's still a big deal, right? I mean, it
1: is a warning. It is a warning sign. It absolutely is a warning sign. And so you got to keep, but you know, a lot of these things, a lot of these macro data points continue to all be warning signs, but this one specifically uh, is one to watch because if it goes, if it goes inverted, right. Right. uh, That's going to be where that's going to be where then they're going to start talking about when it inverts, it's usually, you know, a three or four months pre-indicator of a coming recession and that would take us right into 2019 which makes honestly perfect sense because i think you can see this this turnover in the market money coming out of the high growth names people using it as a cash machine and then redeploying that money into the value names which makes perfect sense if you think that we're going to run into some weakness in the months ahead so far in polkari we're talking
0: about uh, at the at the end of 2017, how well the Russell 1000 growth stocks had done, and you know, up well about 23 percent, something like that. Maybe it was 24. I can't remember. And the value stocks were only up about 12 percent. Uh, so maybe we were still early, Kenny, saying uh, you know you got to look at those stocks. I mean, maybe we weren't early. I mean, you got to – There's no way to time that sort of thing. But you you try to hit them where they ain't, and you're saying. More now than ever, you should take a look at some of those uh, balance sheet, strong blue chip names.
1: And some of the value names, especially if you think, like I do, when we come 2019, that, you know, it's, we're going to run into a little bit more uh, of some headwinds. Look, you got the midterm elections in less than 70 days, right? So that's going to change the landscape if the Republicans lose control. So that will change the landscape, uh, which is going to really be kind of your first signal, um, on what the future could look like, and that's why I think people are starting to, you know, just move some money. They're not panicking. They're not just selling everything. They're just they're being very, very methodical about it. Taking some market out of the, taking some money out of those stocks that have really outperformed. Look, Nasdaq's up 14% year to date. The Dow's only up four, and the and the S&P's up almost six and a half, maybe seven. Right tonight, right. I have to go back and look. Yeah, and so no, that's So people right. are using. People are using those growth things as a source of cash and they're going to redeploy it, whether it's defensively, you know, in defensive things, utilities and kind of, you know, uh, consumer names, or. The value, the value play, and I think the value play is what you're going to see happen as we move into the end of the year.
0: So I've got two more questions for you. I know I ran over in my introduction because I had to explain Ireland here, but I've got two more questions, <laughs> even though I'm out of time. Even though I'm out of time, and you know, I really did work on my on my, on my brogue while I was there. Yeah, I, and, I mean, I think I you
1: wasn't know, sure who was on the floor. one of the, well, one of
0: the things that you kind of learned was it's really more a matter of the meter than it is the accent. It's 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 how close you know, uh, as my mother-in-law used to say about some man from New York, he talks. Really fast, and he puts his words really close together. Uh, you know, that's uh, my great mother-in-law from Spartanburg, South Carolina. You, uh, everything she can, she can say hi, how are you, and it takes her about 22 syllables. Um, anyway, uh, okay. Here are my two questions. Look, so one of the things uh, that that we that we would have heard uh, Cohen confessing to is that there yeah. was a violation of campaign finance laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that he did that at the behest of a candidate for federal office. Now, do you think that that, in particular, could affect markets tomorrow? I mean, that's kind of, that struck me as a big deal. We're going to
1: ask Dan Mahaffey about that in a minute, but that that's big, huh? Uh, well, I think it is big, and I think, you know, the headline itself is going to just create some noise for the markets to react to. In the end, until that, until that comes out, because I haven't actually seen it. I just saw all the headlines like you. I haven't read it. I haven't seen it explained out on the news um but i listen in the long term this stuff doesn't price stocks in the short term it does create volatility so between boy that's a great point that's a
0: great point say that again say it again in the short term,
1: the the, the, the things like manafort and cohen uh create volatility in the short term but in the long term do not price stocks there you go ladies and and gentlemen And so, in fact, tomorrow you may get some anxiousness and nervousness depending on how this story plays out. But listen, it's just like all the noise you've been hearing, right, Whether uh, whether it's a turkey. Look at all the volatility that created last week in the short term. Look at the market today at new highs. I got it. okay. So here's my last one.
0: Here's my last one. Everybody always says, and I think it's probably true, that September is the worst month of the year for stocks. I think that actually came, uh, uh, you know, I think Mark Twain probably said it. Uh, The other other horrible months for stocks are October, November, December, January, February, March, (laughs) April. But September traditionally has been a very tough month. Uh, for stocks. Do you think we get through September and the end of the third quarter okay? How do you see this playing out? Tell, uh, tell our listeners what they're going that they can expect for September here from the markets.
1: I think we do. For this September. You yes, think we do September. what? Right, we do what? September 10th. I think, the, I think the market remains here at the highs. Do I think it's going to make new, new highs in September? I don't, but I don't think you're going to have that, that underperforming September, you know, that's typically down, you know, 2 or 3%. You're not going to have that, I don't think, this September. It just doesn't feel like it to me. Um, now, unless we get hit with something completely out of left field or if the if the China talks, you know, continue to spin out of control, maybe. But I don't even see that happening because I think the I think I think it's all noise. And so therefore, I actually think September is going to be OK.
0: Kenny, Kenny Polcari, Managing Director of O'Neill Securities, Head of Floor Operations, my very good friend. Thank you so much, buddy. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And all of the notes that we get from the forecast and from our great listeners, they all say you got to have Kenny. And who doesn't know that? <laughs> Thank, Thank you, problem. brother, very much. Bye. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please stay with us. We're going to be right back with Dan Mahaffey talking what's going on in Washington. Whatever are we going to talk about, Dan? What happened today? It's going to be what? Anything happened today worth talking about? We'll be right back on The Farcast. I'm Michael Farr. You're listening to Farcast. This portion of The Farcast is brought to you by Farr, Miller & Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Farmiller in Washington, we believe money is hard to make, and we're going to work hard to keep it working for you. Now, more with
1: Michael Farr and the Forecast. And welcome
0: back to The Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Listen to that fabulous music that Boris has. Boris, Boris, we've missed you for a couple of weeks. Uh, the... the Boris's greatest hits that we get to hear every show. What is that song, Boris?
1: Well, this song was written uh, back in 1961 by Nikita Khrushchev. Really? Khrushchev yes.
0: himself? Yes,
1: it was called Send Lawyers Guns and Well, That Should Be Enough. <laughs> <laughs> Very popular.
0: Was it popular? Yes. That's that's uh, not at all a surprise. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, Boris, for that. Boris's greatest hits are going to be available on KTEL here for the holiday shopping season. All right. Uh, we've talked to Kenny Polcari. A great, great insights from Kenny uh, about what, how these headlines affect Wall Street and how they really don't uh, make pricing in the long term. But uh, Dan Mahaffey, who comes to us from the Center of the Study, uh, Center for the Study of Presidency and Congress, who is a strategist there and, and our great uh, political analyst here on the Farcast, Dan. You know, uh, the sort of headlines we saw today can change the Washington tableau and the nature of the votes and the direction of fiscal policy, anyway, uh, over the next few years, uh, so that longer term they could change. What happens to markets, depending on some of these, uh, the, these, these news items today? Yes?
2: To a certain extent, depending on how much this moves the needle in November, uh, where we're already seeing clear trends favoring Democrats for the House, uh, a murkier picture in the Senate, um, at least the message I would say to the markets is just imagine the status quo being priced in and staying there with divided government, uh, no new action where it's needed. Uh, the White House, you know, certainly there's not going to be veto-proof majorities for Democrats uh, in either uh, chamber of the, of the Congress. So you will have what we see now locked into place, uh, but with a bit more uncertainty of how, if a crisis were to arise uh, or if the economy did turn, how would we uh, respond to that?
0: Right. Okay. So, Dan, let's let's talk. Coming into this morning, we would have said, all right, the uh, the folks who do uh, the analysis of, of the way the election seems to be going are saying, what, something like 75% Correct. chance that what happens? 75% chance.
2: 75% chance that the Democrats swing enough seats to uh, take control of the House of Representatives, um, but that the Senate being divided 50-50... Uh, And with a map uh, that is much more favorable to Republicans, still a very murky, knife's edge type picture.
0: So we don't know what's going to happen in the Senate. likely stays 50-50, probably uh, Republican, probably Republican, uh, getting murkier. But we'll see, because you see, ladies and gentlemen, when you get these news headlines today, the question will be, will this further consolidate and and, and vulcanize the... the, um, Uh, the uh, core base of each party, or will it so that the the core base of Democrats becomes more resolved than ever, and the core base of Republicans becomes more resolved than ever, and uh, that really it didn't swing anybody? Or will it change minds? Will it get people who would have voted for one group to say, all right, I'm going to go vote for those guys, even though I'm going to hold my nose and just do it because I can't. What is it? I'm mad as hell, and I can't take it anymore. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, have we is have we reached those sorts of tipping points? Now we we need to talk about exactly what happened today in the mm-hmm. Cohen and Manafort uh, uh, announcements, uh, the settlement from Cohen and the verdict uh, verdicts uh, for Manafort. Those, but but uh, so right that that was it, right? I mean, basically. Things were swinging that way anyway.
2: So we've seen before, even today's news. We've looked at the uh, the special elections, and now, mind you, those are those are snapshots. It's like someone asking you to describe the Louvre, and you've just been able to peek through the windows. Yeah. But what we've seen there is I like that. That was very good. That by the way. The, uh, the Republicans do not have the same level of enthusiasm that Democrats have had. We've seen about an eight percent shift. In these elections towards Democrats, uh, which if you applied that to the House is more than enough to regain control of the House. If they kept that eight-point sweat sprint swing all the way through. Um, on the other hand, that eight-point swing they would actually lose seats in the Senate with this map. Okay. So yeah. you you have that as sort of the benchmark of that's where right. we're seeing the blue wave at right now. But we're seeing uh, women, minorities, and young people turn out and that Trump's own supporters, uh, particularly in the last one we saw in Ohio, uh, were down, and that people who have college degrees and live in the suburbs uh, are turning against Trump. Okay. Um, That is reinforced with this news today, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Uh, President Trump came along saying he was going to drain the swamp, and today is the most uh, visible evidence that he brought two other swamps with him to town. (laughs) Uh, That you have the... Uh, on one hand, uh, Cohen's plea is entirely about the, the payoffs, the National Enquirer, his personal peccadillos, and that swamp. And then Manafort is the, the Russian collusion, the Island of Misfit Toys campaign team, <laughs> and how they came in and brought the ties to Ukrainian oligarchs, the, the, the Russian mafia money, all of that, which is also part of the broader... Uh, Trump organization history and lineage as well as they're as they're cutting through these details
0: does the president's base care they don't they don't care
2: they don't and that's why he's he's in West Virginia I think we're going to see him continue to talk about trade he's going to get I imagine even harder on China uh, if he feels that these these stories are 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 backing him into a corner uh, but on the on the fundamental economic side I mean he's already tweeted tonight no collusion yes he's this and is going to be interesting to seeing Everybody
0: in West Virginia tonight. Yeah, this tonight. is going to
2: be great television in, uh, in West Virginia tonight because that's also the heart of a of a Trump friendly crowd there. Uh, but you, there was even before uh, today's news in uh, the Capitol Journal, uh, Jerry Seib of the of the Wall Love Street Jerry Journal, Saib. Uh, talked about how this White House cannot stop stomping on their own good news. Yes, and that is another trend which we've talked about in the past that any more conventional Republican with these kinds of economic numbers would be in the catbird seat uh, going into this midterm. But these clouds, these swamps that he's brought with him...
0: Like what? What do you mean when you say that? You've said that on other forecasts, but say it one more time for if we have some new listeners tonight. I mean, any other... Why? Yeah, a,
2: a president Kasich or Rubio in whatever alternate universe that yes. that, that wasn't would open would be able when, to tick off what accomplishments? Would be able to tick off uh, wage growth, lowest unemployment numbers, uh, that the U.S. economy is doing well even during these trade spats, uh, that other global economies are starting to look soft, but we're still strong dollar, strong shape. The idea would be you can't screw this up. You can't screw this up. And yet. And yet, with all <laughs> of these clouds, this, this inability to get past these personal there. scandals, the 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 sun that is that wonderful economic news uh, does not come out. It puts the republic. It puts other Republicans on the Hill in an odd position of defending uh, behaviors, or at least remaining silent on behaviors that they would have never uh, supported in the past. Um, and it creates this situation where we're going into. Uh, a period of political warfare, if there is, we're assuming the 75 percent chance of a Democratic House, of, of a very unique period of political warfare uh, ahead on the horizon.
0: It was, so wait, are, do you think that um, James Carville was wrong? I mean, James Carville, who famously said, it's the economy, stupid, right? I mean, it's the economy, stupid, back when it was back between Bush and Clinton at the time, uh, that's what he said was the fuck. Fo- is it not the economy, stupid, anymore? Well the question is how many Republicans Boris, are actually can you get James Carville on the phone for us?
1: Yes, I have him on speed
0: dial. That's good, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Mary Matlin doesn't even have him on speed dial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sorry.
2: But, uh, Boris has him on speed dial for some election in Belarus or <laughs> yeah, something. That's, you know, that's right.
1: It. No, he's managing it very well. <laughs> very well.
2: Uh, the 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 whole structure though is that the what are Republicans on the trail, are they being asked about the tax cuts? Are they being asked about the economy? No, they're having to respond. To each of these, this drip, drip, drip of new crises, new events that are uh, in some ways self-inflicted, in some ways part of the, uh, I would say it's a, it's a feature, not a bug, of Trump uh, politics that you have these, uh, this, this scandal and tumult surrounding him.
0: So let me give you the quick recap here for, uh, so uh, Cohen has um, pled, has, has, has come up and, and agreed to plead guilty on five counts of tax evasion one count of false statement to a financial institution as he was getting a refi or something like that, one count of willfully causing an unlawful corporate contribution, and one count of making excessive campaign contribution at the request of a federal campaign candidate, Uh, of a federal federal candidate, a candidate for federal office. Yes.
2: That last one kind of caught my attention. That last one has a bit of an echo to it. Now, the just- Justice Department rules say they can't name any person who's not facing charges or party to that direct case. But we all know who that is when it was the, the, the instructions of a federal candidate to uh, avoid, the, uh, avoid the election campaign finance laws.
0: Let me cover Manafort. I want to come back to that because I'm going to ask you in just about two minutes when I finish Manafort, if that one sentence could prove to be grounds to stir a Democratic majority in the House uh, towards uh, pre- impeachment proceedings. Okay. Is, that, is that enough uh, for them? Because we hear all of the drums beating, you know, whether, whether, whether they uh, – because they, this is what they do in Washington. Manafort was uh, facing 18 different charges. He was found guilty on eight. And then a hung jury was declared on 10 of the 18. The judge noted uh, that uh, he had been receiving threats and is under U.S. marshal protection. This is a big deal. There were two counts of bank fraud, five counts of tax evasion, one count of hiding foreign bank accounts, um, and uh, all of these um, uh, are federal uh, crimes. Um, And... uh, uh, a, and, and even if there were a pardon here, it wouldn't keep the state a, state attorneys general from prosecuting him. So uh, Manafort, so tell us what mm-hmm. your read is on those Manafort
2: uh, uh, verdicts. Well, this goes back to, uh, again, covering his ties to Ukraine, uh, President Yakonovich, who was uh, overthrown. Uh, it covers the uh, the whole re- gamut of these financial activities where he was taking money for foreign lobbying, foreign campaigns um, and it overlaps with the same time that when he was a campaign manager for the Trump administration that the Republican platform on Russia was softened during the Republican National Convention in Cleveland
0: And So Manafort, you know, so we're talking about the head of the campaign Correct. And then we're talking about the president's personal attorney who says he may have gotten involved in this campaign, which with, is a,
2: to be named later. Yes, which is again the uh, on one hand, you the the two swamps, the the personal Trump life swamp and then this Russian swamp uh, that are that are coming together in these these two sets of indictments. There's but no I,
0: connection from Cohen to the Russian collusion swamp from what we've seen so far. Well, from
2: what we've seen, we've heard stories about how Cohen worked to handle real estate deals between the Trump organization and Russia. A range of other activities that he activities. was trying to
0: arrange a new Trump Tower in Moscow. Things of that nature uh, which, during the campaign.
2: Which yes, and those yeah. things will will continue to come up. But does
0: this get to the level of impeachment?
2: Well, first, I'll go with the legal uh, advice given to me by my friend uh, Joe from Worcester, Mass, who's an attorney who said hashtag MAGA means my attorney's going away. <laughs> um, but the uh, when it comes to impeachment, that is a question for the Democrats because we'll have to see one what the full Mueller report is and what shape that takes. Okay. Um, but the Democrats will have to ask a question, themselves the question, do we go for impeachment? Uh, and as you set the table for 2020, do you do impeachment? Because that's the political equivalent of World War One. That's going to be trench yep. warfare. Everyone digs in. Uh, and we have probably months of chaos in our political system and nothing getting done. Or do you take an alternative strategy, which is to use all the oversight and subpoena powers that you have as holding control in Congress and go for an approach that's more of a guerrilla warfare, death by a thousand cuts, you have a constant drip, drip, drip of stories, Everyone in the Trump administration who gets a subpoena is going to have to lawyer up. They rack up their okay, legal so you're bills.
0: Okay, so you're basically saying, if I if I got this right, you're basically saying that they don't need to impeach the president to be just a major pain in his ass anyway.
2: And that they can be a major pain in his backside and then continue so to keep polite. these stories going one by one rather Death than by digging.
0: by a, a thousand cuts. Uh, and, okay, does that... Does that do anything come 2020 elections? I mean, what's the goal if they if if, if they go on this more uh, aggressive attack of the president of the Republican Party? What does that
2: do? Well, in a, you you'll solidify the Trump base, but you want to push down enough of those swing voters who either said, "I'm not going to vote for Hillary," or "I'm going to hold my nose and vote for Trump because I like Republicans," even though this guy has nothing along the lines of a traditional Republican. You, you have the, the need to say, look at uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, those states. Can I swing those back into the Democratic column by motivating Democrats, moving swing voters over to my column, and continuing the model that we've seen from the Virginia gubernatorial election all the way through these special elections?
0: You're back with us next week? Yes, sir. Okay. We've got to go, uh, and we're we're over. I'm sorry. This is just so fascinating, and I always learn so much every time I get to talk to the great Dan Mahaffey. Um, And I think our listeners do, too. We get the notes. We get the texts. We get the emails. Thank you all for sending them. Um, Dan, we've got to figure out now, uh, between now and next week, what the fallout seems to be. We're going to have the president's comments tonight in West Virginia, and I'm sure not uh, uh, quite a few tweets. Uh, over the weekend and everything else to
2: to process we'll, for us. And we'll the- see who gets their security clearances pulled over the coming days as a way We to- didn't
0: even do that this week. <laughs> We've got to do that next week. I, uh, I never had a security clearance, and I still don't, uh, and I think it's probably going to stay that way. Well. <laughs> uh, Dan Mahaffey, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for uh, being with us for segment two. We have a great guest coming up in segment three. Uh, Mona Mahajan is the Director of U.S. Investment Strategies for Allianz Global Investors. She's a CNBC contributor. She's absolutely brilliant. Uh, she totally gets it. We're going to talk with her coming right back. Please stay with us on The Farcast.
1: You're listening to Farcast.
0: This portion of The Farcast is brought to you by Far Miller & Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Farmiller in Washington, we believe money is hard to make, and we're going to work hard to keep it working for you.
1: You're listening to Forecast.
0: Now, here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome back to The Forecast. I am Michael Farr. We are here in Washington, D.C., a little bit of a rainy Washington, D.C., with another great forecast. Kenny Polcari telling us what was going on on the floor of the exchange today, what he thinks about markets through the balance of the year and the very tricky month of September. The great Dan Mahaffey, our senior political analyst from the Center for the Study of the Presidency and Congress, Boy, we had a lot to talk with about today, and we and there was so much we left out. I feel awful. We can, well, we're going to be back next week. You're just going to have to get back in and listen to what Dan thinks after we process the various tweets and and more news and fallout from these great uh, from these very interesting court decisions today. Now. Uh, Boris, that's a fabulous song. Boris, what am I listening to there?
1: Oh, this is a song you're familiar with, uh, Johnny Cash, right? Johnny,
0: yes, I, rem-
1: I know Johnny Cash. This yeah. is his cousin, Dimitri Cash. Ah, Dmitry, <laughs> uh, uh, who
0: was Russian, was Dmitry Cash Russian? Yes, well, yeah. we like
1: to think Johnny Cash was Russian, Probably. originally. This song was uh, called Lubyanka Prison Blues. <laughs> 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 written 1958.
0: 1958. That was a tough year to be in the Lubyanka, wasn't it? It very much was, yes. Thank you, Boris. I have no Idea why we do that. Um, (laughs) All right, uh, we have a great treat, ladies and gentlemen. You know, uh, I uh, have the great privilege of being the longest serving uh, contributor for CNBC in the world. Now, that's a a great privilege when, and what it really means is that I live far enough from the main office in New York that they somebody forgets to fire me. Um, I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. Uh, so I've been hungry. Uh, but I get to go on, you know, a couple of times a week. And whenever I get to go on with Mona Mahajan, I am, it is just so cool because it's always good television. She is uh, articulate. She is insightful. She is bright. She's just one of the smartest people uh, on, on, on CNBC. She is a... Um, the U.S. investment strategist and a director with Allianz Global Investors. Uh, she has a background in fixed income trading. We want to ask her about that because the fixed income markets are kind of always smarter than the equity markets. They tend to get to the, the to the right place a little bit uh, faster. Um, and um, so, uh, Mona Mahajan, without further ado, thank you so much for joining us on the Farcast. This is a thrill.
3: Absolutely, Michael. Great to be here tonight. What a day you've picked
0: Good timing. <laughs> Nothing to talk about, right, Mona?
3: <laughs> Not much going on today, so yeah.
0: <gasps> so Kenny Polcari said, you know, and I said, hey, Kenny, we made a new high on the S&P, and he, he kind of gave me and said, you know, well, it's like kissing your sister. We made it, we pulled back. It's no big deal, and, and he wasn't really all that concerned. What do you think, Mona? Tell me what you think's going on. Do you care about the new high on the S&P, and we'll get to some of the other news later here. Yeah,
3: yeah you know, I think this is very much in line with the general trend we've been seeing Uh, for the entire year. So what we have been seeing is that the U.S. economy remains robust. And we started the year with, you know, two areas of strength. One was tax reform. The other was this global synchronized growth story. And what we've seen as the year has progressed is that this global synchronized growth story has really started to falter. So it began with, you know, the faltering of uh, the Eurozone area with, you know, Italy and Brexit ongoing. And then we got into trade tensions with China, and we saw the Chinese economy kind of start to falter a little bit. Their markets are down about 20% year to date, and the S&P is up about 7%. But beyond that, I think the U.S. economy has shown real resilience. In the face of flowing global synchronized growth story, you know, we continue to remain strong on, on many fronts, and we've seen in the data, you know, GDP growth. Last quarter, 4.1%. Unemployment rate at you know near all-time lows. Um, retail sales remain strong. Consumer confidence remains near all-time highs. So really what we're seeing is a lot of this manifesting in the marketplace. So we, we reach an all-time higher. We did intraday in S&P today. We've also seen a strong small-cap market this year, so up about you know, 14 15%. We've seen the U.S. dollar rise about 7% from its February lows. So from multiple counts, you know, the U.S. has been diverging um, from the globe. And I, I think that's a, a theme we, we see having legs for the second half of this year as well.
0: So you think that this strength that we've seen this year continues?
3: Yeah, I, I think generally speaking, you know, in a late cycle environment, we can get – mid to high single-digit equity returns. Um, We typically won't get, you know, the 20% type returns we saw last year and some of the prior years, uh, because as the Fed does get in or come into play, um, what tends to happen is that multiples won't expand. But what really drives the the, uh, S&P is earnings growth. And so what we're seeing now is earnings growth this year will be close to 20%. So even if multiples, you know, compress, call it 10%, you're still getting a nice 10% return on the S&P. Going forward, that earnings growth is going to get a little bit harder as comps get harder and harder. And so next year we're looking at about 10% earnings growth. Why why do those Um, comps get harder next year, Mona? Well, I think generally speaking, you know, we have um, this year we have some nice, Uh, year-on-year comparisons, for example, in the energy sector, we're looking at earnings growth, you know, for example, close to 100% um, just because oil was so low in the past. And and that's similar across several sectors. But as we get kind of to the next year, we see a couple of factors, you know, kind of impeding growth a little bit. One is, you know, margins have been quite high across corporate, you know, across corporate earnings. And that has been because post-crisis, you know, corporations have been cutting, um, cutting costs. They've been keeping wages low. And we see that trend reversing a little bit. We think wage growth can expand here at this point of the cycle, especially with unemployment so low. And that will impact margins going forward. We're also seeing costs rise generally as inflation has slowly creeped upwards. You know, We have seen modest inflationary growth. We are getting some uh, you know, impact from the tariffs. And we've seen that in certain sectors like steel and aluminum. Uh, so you sound very constructive, you think-
0: Mona. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you well, think the world looks pretty good. I mean, if, so we're good through the end of the year. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mona and I were on together. I don't know if you remember this, but we were on in January doing the beginning of the year. Stuff. God, it was about six degrees in Washington. I was freezing. Uh, I went back. Uh, 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 who was it? Tyler Matheson gave me hell for wearing a sweater on the set. But um, uh, you and I were on. And I just want to tell our audience that actually Mona was very consistent in looking for mid to high single digit returns for the S&P. She called this in January. She's been absolutely right. Entirely consistent for the year. So when when you see somebody who kind of gets it, uh, this is this is kind of the person you go back to and say, okay, well now what do you think now? So our what so here we are and, and the world seems to be playing out and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Mona, but the world seems to be playing out kind of according to your script that you delivered in January. Is that fair?
3: Yeah, you know, I think that's fair. And in fact in January I was a little a little bit more nervous because we were up already seven, eight percent on the S and P and It felt like, wow, we're already there. So, uh, you know, we were really riding the the tailwinds of um, tax reform just being passed. And, you know, we had the global story still intact. So
0: so as we look, so this is kind of going the way you thought. Now, 2019, uh, if we factor in a shift in the House uh, and who knows about the Senate, what do you think for uh, what do you think for 2019? I don't want to jump the gun, but but is it a tougher operating environment? We won't have the benefits of the tax cuts. I know that. So what is that? what is your crystal ball show? Because it's a good one.
3: Yeah. You know, generally, um, we remain constructive, again, in the mid single digit type return environment. Um, we think until you hit a recession or you're near to entering a recession, you're not going to get that bear market 20 percent plus type sell-off, or at least historically that hasn't occurred until we're in a recessionary environment. And, you know, clearly based on what I've been describing in terms of the U.S. outlook and market, uh, we're not near a recession. So we're, you know, good at least 12 to 18 months away from any sort of downturn or slowing in the U.S. economy. And so in that environment, you know, slow and steady uh, total return on the S&P. Yes, there'll be more volatility. Yes, there may be some sector rotation, um, but still hang in there. It's a good good spot to be in. Actually, Except Mona. Environment.
0: Except Mona. Oh, you're ready. Except that the 10-year, the, 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 the you know, uh, has rallied. Uh, we, we got up north of 3%. We've rallied to a 284. Uh, and I don't mean to get too wonky here for listeners, but, um, y- you know, you think with, with kind of an unsettled world um, you know uh, rates might go higher, but we've seen a flight to safety i guess two eighty four the two years at two sixty one or so we've got a twenty three basis point spread very flat yield curve twos to tens only sixteen basis points separating the ten year yield and the thirty year yield if that yield curve inverts are we, i mean are we are we seeing some of the Uh, dominoes line up that could be a predecessor to some sort of recession?
3: Yeah, you know, we're watching that yield curve closely as well. Um, Historically, it has been a recession indicator. But obviously, when you do the analysis and you look at when the recession occurs after the yield curve inverts, we're still 6 to 18 months out. So even if the the curve inverted by year end, you know, it's 6 to 12 months or 6 to 18 months beyond that before we see the recession, uh, and in addition to that, you know, I never want to say this time's different, but we, we are obviously in a historically low-rate environment. And so perhaps, you know, the, the 20 basis point or so, two-year, 10-year spread now is somewhat equivalent to what, you know, 100 basis points used to be. It's, it's a little bit more natural for the curve to just seem much flatter oh, that's in this environment than it has I haven't heard anybody say
0: that before. That's a very interesting point. Good, good. I like that very much. So do you think that the math... Changes. So we we had a um, uh, we had uh, a Manafort uh, found guilty on eight out of 18 uh, uh, charges, and 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 the jury was hung on ten of them. Uh, we had uh, Cohen uh, today uh, enter a, a guilty plea on a number on eight different accounts uh, himself. The last one that they mentioned uh, was was kind of caught my attention of making excessive campaign contributions at the request of a candidate for federal office, um, that one kind of struck me as, as more significant. How does, how does this, these sort of headlines and this sort of news and noise factor into your calculus as you look at the rest of the year?
3: Yeah. So, you know, first of all, it's a bit early to say, but I will say some initial reactions I had One, I was looking at them, or thinking about the midterms um, it immediately came to my mind that the Democrats have or may get some more momentum out of this. They have some stories to tell now in terms of uh, these two legal fronts. Um, but secondly, you know, I was thinking about, you know, perhaps this may play out in one of two ways. This could be one of just a 24 hour news cycle. And my guess is President Trump may try to uh, make that happen. I know thus far he hasn't really tweeted much about these um, legal battles. And, in fact, his only tweet post these uh, outcomes has been to say he's in West Virginia campaigning. Um, and keep he, in mind, did, he had tomorrow, one more,
0: too. He said no collusion uh, is what he said no to the Cohen decision. Yeah. No collusion. Yeah.
3: And, you know, keep in mind tomorrow, a new day and a new set of, uh, you know, meetings between China and the U.S. on trade. So it's very possible the market then shifts in that direction. Uh, if this does, you know, become protracted and the president gets barred into, you know, legal proceedings, et cetera, then that does create an air of uncertainty in the marketplace. Um, you know, I, I haven't looked historically on what happens when, you know, president is potentially undergoing an impeachment trial, et cetera, but, you know, my guess is there is some uncertainty around that. Obviously, you know, you have to look at then Vice President Trump potentially stepping in or Vice President Pence potentially stepping in, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we'll, they'd we'll have to get the, the Senate, too,
0: and I think most strategists don't think they can pull the Senate. So this sounds like it's just going to be a huge distraction and try and pull some voters over uh, uh, to, to uh, uh, I guess, changing the White House in 2020. Well, we're going to have to see where it all goes, Mona. We're going to have to see. But I hope I get to talk to you a lot more uh, uh, on and off the air and on CNBC over the balance of the year because I always learn so much. And I think the viewers and listeners, Mona, uh, really benefit from listening to what you have to say. I truly do. So thank you for that. Oh,
3: absolutely. No, thank you, Michael. It's been great, um, great timing again. And I always enjoy talking <laughs> to you as well. It
0: is. <laughs> I, I, you know, maybe we should just tell people we're getting ready to talk, and they'll just duck and go under their You're desks right. or something.
3: <laughs>
0: uh, uh,
3: so or the market will hit a new tar- all-time high. Yeah,
0: exactly. So from Alliance, Allianz Global Investors, the U.S. investment strategist uh, and a director, uh, uh, Mona Mahajan, thank you so much for being on the forecast.
3: Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. I have a great one.
0: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us on The Farcast. We will be back again next week, and God knows we've got plenty to talk about. Please remember that if you think you heard any any recommendation to buy or sell any security or change anything in your investment portfolio here on The Farcast, you didn't. We don't make those recommendations. If you're thinking about making a change to your portfolio or your allocation or fixed income or anything, please check with a financial professional and get all the good advice you need and remain dispassionate through that process. If we can help you at Far Miller, and Washington, farmiller.com, please reach out and contact. I have a group of the most talented, bright, experienced, and very kind people who will help you and look forward to doing that at farmiller.com at Farmiller and Washington. Thank you again. It's been a little bit longer, Farcast, but God knows we've had a lot to cover. Uh, back from Ireland, here to stay, well, at least until I go to India, in Washington, D.C., for the Farcast, I'm Michael Farr.